0: Oh my God, I've only got half an hour, Lord. Um, <laughs> Job chapter 42 and verse number 10. So for time, I'm going to have to kind of skip through some things. Um, so please bear with me. Job chapter 42 and verse number 10. Um, it says this, And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends in Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So I said it again. So the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had given before. Can we say amen to the word of God? I, I want to um How am I going to do this? Help us, Holy Ghost. I want to talk about the power to get wealth. The power to get wealth. And I'm starting in Job, but I just want to kind of give a picture a little bit of, of Job and Job's life um, that some of you may know, but that's not where the main focus is. He's just a someone that, I want to use it as an example, then I want to go to some principles, amen? So just bear with me just a little while, while i just kind of lay this out. Um, Job, in Job chapter 1, speaks about Job being a man who was blameless. Chapter 1, verse 1 says he was blameless, and he was an upright man, and one who feared God. And he shunned evil, he hated evil. Job was a good man. Um, when you are described as a person who's blameless, that is a good thing to speak about someone's character. When it's hard for you to find something that you could... Because you know we like to criticize everybody. There's always criticism there. And when you can find... Someone, when you're trying to find something negative to say and you struggle, that means it's a good thing, amen. That he's a blameless man and he was one who was upright and one who feared God and he hated evil. That's so important. And the Bible says that in the days of feasting, um, verse number five, and run his course, that Job would send and sanctify. Um, his children, he had seven sons, three daughters, and look, look at the kind of person that he was. He would sanctify them, and he would rise up, raise up early in the morning, and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them. And Job says, "It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their in their hearts." And Job regularly would pray and offer sacrifices on behalf of his children. That's a good father. That's a good father. So here was Job. He was enjoying for a period of time the blessings that was upon his life. I just want you just to just to let this sink in. That In reference to him, he was an upright man, he was an honest man, he was a faithful man, and we will use the kind of language today to say he was a man of integrity. That's very hard in today's society to say that someone is a person of of integrity, this person has integrity. What if we have a chance and we had a chance to read through this, you will see that the Bible speaks about Job as being a wealthy person. He was not poor. He was a wealthy person. The Lord had blessed him to be a father of seven sons and three daughters. And it's when we begin to read through, though he was blessed, calamity came upon him. A challenge came upon him because... The Bible talks to us um, that um, the Lord, Satan presents himself with the sons of God in, in verse number 6. And Satan came along with the sons of God and, uh, and the Lord speaks to Satan and says, Where are you coming from? Where, where have you been? And Satan answered the Lord and says, I've been going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on the earth. And then the Lord asks Satan a question, whilst you're going backwards and forwards on the earth to and fro, have you been considering or have you considered my servant Job? And he describes God speaks, when God speaks something good of us is wonderful. And God says, there is none like Job on all the earth, He is a blameless man. He is an upright man, a one who fears God and shuns evil. I've got to paraphrase just for for time. Just bear with me. And Satan says, you know, I I hear you that Job fears God and and he fears you. We, we, We understand that. But here is the unfair advantage. Is that you have placed a hedge around Job everybody knows that you have put some kind of a protection around Job and it makes it impossible for us to touch him. Are you hearing that? That God has put something around each of us. There is a protection a wall around us when we are people of integrity when we are worshippers of the Most High, when we have put God in our lives and God becomes the Lord of our lives, there is a protection around you. You are not just open for any kind of abuse. That's right. God has put a protection around you. And because it's invisible, you can't see it. You may not even know that it exists. You may not even see the value of, of it being, being there. But for the enemy who's walking to and fro, the enemy knows which people he can touch and which people he has no access to. And so when you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it means that you can't. the enemy can't just come up to you because the blood of Jesus covers you. You are covered with the blood of Jesus and there is a wall of protection. And what that means, here carefully said, is that when the blood of Jesus, wherever the blood of Jesus is applied, the enemy has no right to access the blood. That's right. The enemy has no right to approach the blood. That's right. And so when your life and my life and our families, is covered by the blood of Jesus, it means when the enemy comes, the enemy has to pass over. Because you cannot approach where the blood is. And God has put a divine protection around us. So the devil was saying, we already know that you already got Job hedged in. None of us can touch the man. We can't get near him. We can look, but we can't touch. Are you hearing me? But the devil says, but if you were to remove that hedge, if you were to remove the covering that you have over his life, he would be just like anybody else. He would curse you. He would curse you. And so the Bible begins to describe that through a process of time, um, tragedy began to take place because the Lord was saying, to this, this conversation, the Lord was saying, no, this man loves me. This man has integrity. This man has principles. So even if I remove the hedge from him, it ain't going to make no difference. Well, the devil said, well, let's go. Let's let's see who's going to be right and who's going to be wrong and so the Bible begins to, to speak. I'm just trying to paraphrase because of time. So whilst Job is there, Job gets a receive word that his oxen and his asses are stolen and some of the servants there have been killed. He begins to hear words that some lightning came and strike his sheep and more of his servants die. Then the next thing while he's there, he still hears that his camels are stolen. Even more servants are lost. Things are going bad. And and when we begin to look personally, Job goes into a place of a loss. He's at a place where there is a loss, there's tragedy, starts to happen. Then the worst thing is that he begins to hear that his children is dead. The difference between a good day and a bad day could be just one call. The difference between you having a good day and a bad day could simply be one call. One call could determine whether you have a good day or a bad day. One call. And so Job is dealing with personal defeat. He's in a place where everything that he has put his trust in, or not even put his trust in, all that is there for his comfort is being stripped away. I mean, what, how would you react if you now go and you put the key in your car and you're trying to turn the car over and find out the, 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 the electronic systems, the electronic management of your car is completely gone. Your car's a donut. Your car's a donut. It's, it's gone. How would you feel when you go home and your house being totally burnt down with fire? All your things is in there. And then you, when you check, you say, don't worry, I've got insurance. And then you realize your insurance lapsed. And all the things that you have for your comfort have been taken away. The Bible goes on to say but Job went on to worship. When all that was taken away, listen to the character of the man. That the character of the man is those things, because I need you to understand as Christians, you're not always going to have things going your way. There's sometimes we are faced with personal tragedy that we don't fully understand. We, 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 we don't have answers to. We don't know, hang on a second, but Lord, I've prayed, I'm a man of integrity, I've worshipped, I've done this, this. So why as these personal things come against me? And sometimes we don't really have a full answer, because that's really in the hands of God. The question is, how am I going to deal with this stuff? And so what Job done, he goes into a place of worship. I'm saying this because there's a lot of people in our nation that have put their trust in material stuff. They've put their trust in their houses, in their properties, in their cars, in their money, in their finances, in businesses. But what happens when a shaking starts to take place? What happens when everything around us, where the economy starts to shake, and and, 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 and what you thought was a safe bet, now becomes questionable? Questionable. What happens when all the things around you of your comforts starts to shake? Because that's coming. Because there's a lot of people who put their trust and confidence in things and not in God. And what happens when you place your focus in the wrong place? When it comes to worship, now you can't worship. Because your God has been the material stuff. And we haven't had the right priorities in understanding that God must come first. The things around us are things for our comfort, but not for us to worship in. Did you hear me? Having a nice car is for your comfort. Do I believe you should have a a nice car? I believe everybody in Restoration City Church should drive a nice car. Everybody should. But understand, it's for your comfort. It is not for you to worship. Should every one of us live in a nice house, central heating, double glazing, garden to kick football, or for planting flowers for some of you. Kick football sounds better, but for those of you who like your plots, go ahead and have your plots. Should you live in a nice house? Absolutely. But it's not for you to worship the house. It is for your comfort that in all that we have, it's about priority. Someone say priority. priority. So please go with me to Deuteronomy chapter um, chapter eight. Help me, Holy Ghost, I don't, you know how to do this. I don't, you know how to do this. Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 8. Because there's some principles that we need to understand. So that though, if people were to take a snapshot of some of our lives now, it's not a good picture. If you look at us right now and you took a snapshot of us now, don't make a complete judgment because the chapters of my life, there's some chapters that still have not been written. And if you're only looking at my life as it is right now, it is not the complete picture. That's why if you were to look at Job's life at that particular time, it didn't look good because you will say, how could you be an upright man? How could you be one who trusts in God? How could you be one who makes sacrifices for God and then look at how God has treated you? Oh God, I, I want to go there because you're so quiet. I want to go there. Look, you've your upright, look at how you come to church. Look at how all the, the offerings, the tithes you've put into church, and look at how the church treats you. Look at how people treat you. I'm just gonna bring it home. And that's what they were doing. If you look, even Job's wife says, why are you still holding on to your integrity? Why are you still holding on to, why don't you just curse God and die? That the people who came to encourage him actually would actually discourage him. Because they looked at him and said, look, you're a righteous man. Why has all these calamities happened to you? You're a righteous man, but yet you're out of a job. You got made redundant. You are a people, a church of worshippers, why have you got all these empty seats, but yet you're worshipping God? Why are you wasting your time doing all this kind of stuff? And this is what sometimes is presented, because if you only look at it now, you don't have the whole picture. Some people only look at your life as it stands today, but that's why I wanted to take you to the end of the chapter to see that God is a God who restores. But don't just look at what's happening now. You don't know the rest of the chapter of my life. You don't know. You have not turned to the end of the book in my life to see what God is going to do. So don't feel sorry for me now. Don't just look at Restoration City Church now. Because if you only look now, I might have to agree with you. It don't look that good. If you look at things now, it, it ain't all that good. But there's more to come. There is more to come because the God that I do, the God that I serve is a God that will restore. That there are things I'm going to have to sacrifice. There's some things I give up. There's some things that I do that the world will look at us and laugh at us and say, what are you guys doing? But they don't know your God. That's the difference. They don't know your God. You know something They don't know. You know your God. And the Bible says, they that know their God shall be strong and do great exploit. The question comes down to how much do you really trust God? How much do you really trust God? Now when we read in the word of God, because the Bible talks that Job had everything restored, because it is the plan of God for us to have wealth. I need you to understand, Job had wealth. It wasn't because God was looking at Job and saying, you know what, I don't like the idea that you got animals. I don't like the... uh, Because people think that Christianity is a poor man's religion. They, They do. They think that only poor people are the ones who need God. And that once we get finances... And you get that sometimes. You get some people who say, Pastor, will you pray? And the minute they get answers, they pray, you never see them again. It's true. You you never see them again. They they get their healing, and they're gone. They get what they want, and they're gone. But God, I need you to understand, God wants his people to prosper. So in Deuteronomy chapter 8, there are three principles. There's some principles here that I, I need to, to deal with. Lord, I don't know how we're going to do this. All right. Let me try to um, summarize, and then I'll break things down. I'm going to give you some principles, but I just need to give you the, the, the kind of picture um, of, of what is, is, is taking place. That the children of Israel, they're in a place where they're getting ready to cross over into the promised land. They have left Egypt and they have received the commandments from God from Mount Sinai and they have spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness or in the desert. And now they are standing at the crest of a change. They're standing at the borders of Canaan and and their, their promised land is in view. Moses at this time is, is 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 about to die. He's very old. He's getting ready to die, and he's gathered the people together. And it's like when you you know when you're about to pass, you 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 give your last will and testament. It's like your last final. Encouragement to the people that's what leaders do. Fathers do that when they know that their time is, is up, you gather your children together and you give them your last final words of wisdom. you give them your, your, your last counsel, as it were. and this is what um, this is what uh, Moses was doing. He was just giving them the, the, the final counsel to them, and in his final counsel. He wanted to remind them that it's the Lord your God who is bringing you into a good land. That this land is going to be flowing with streams, with springs, with water, and all the the vines, the fig trees, pomegranate—all these things are going to be are going to be in this land. But. He speaks to them in chapter 8 and verse number 2, and he says to them, But what is important for you is that you remember the Lord your God. Now, I want to talk about when we, how are we going to position this? That God wants us to be, to, to prosper. Because if you don't have wealth, if we don't have finances, it doesn't matter how great your vision is, if you don't have the finances, you have nothing to bring the vision into existence. You need provisions. Someone said provisions. Yeah. If we don't pay the bills here, it doesn't matter how much we speak in tongues, right. they're going to lock the doors. I it. If it, let's bring it to your house. You don't pay your gas bill, electric bill, And you, when they call you and say, or the letter comes and says, you owe X amount of money, let me see how far you get speaking in tongues. (laughs) You can speak in tongues and then they will say to you, you know, Mr. or Mrs., that's great, but the bill still has to be paid. It still has to be. We need finances. We, We don't just need finances just from week to week. We need wealth. God wants to bring his people into a wealthy place. God wants his people to be prosperous. That's why I wanted to choose Job, because Job was a prosperous person. Isaac was also one who was prosperous. Joseph was also one who was prosperous. That in Scripture, there are people who are prosperous, and God wants to bring us into that place of prosperity. But he's saying, when you get there, when Moses was saying, Listen, guys, when you get into this land, I just want you to remember something. I want to remember how you got here. Because there's a lot of people, when they start to gather wealth, they forget who was the person who helped them. Does that make sense? All right. Okay. So there's some, some principles that I want to just go through in, in chapter 8, um, just to help. The first thing is, is that in chapter 8, now why do I need my glasses? In verse number 8, he says, But you shall remember the Lord your God. Is that verse 8? Is that do you tell me eight, verse 18, please? Verse 18. Verse 18. That's it. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he... Who give you power to get wealth That he may establish his covenant Which he swore to your fathers As it is this day Say you Okay But you shall remember There is a requirement that's placed upon you That you should remember In other words God is speaking to you He's speaking to you He's speaking to me You shall remember The Lord your God. So it's a personal thing. You've got to remember because when what God is about to do and what God wants to do, he wants to bestow wealth upon his people. But he's not going to give it to people who's going to be foolish. He's not going to give it to people who don't have integrity. People are not going to honor him. He can't just give it to people who are childish. We have to be matured when it comes to the things of God because there's some people who God could bless right now, but he would turn them really, a, he would just turn them a fool because you will never see them in church again because they won't remember God. They won't remember God. They won't even remember you. They will just beep They'll their, 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 their horn and drive right past you. So God says, I'm talking about you. I'm thinking about you. When I'm talking about prosperity, I have you in mind. When I'm thinking about wealth, I'm thinking about my church. I'm thinking about you, the person that you're sitting next to. I'm thinking about you, that you must remember your God. In other words, these are for people who've come into a relationship with God, that they know their God. That Deuteronomy 18 is speaking about me, that I belong to God. Anyone who is a child of God, God wants to bless. Anyone who is a child of God, God wants to bless. I've just got a few more minutes and I've got to, 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 to move on. So someone said God is talking about me. God is talking about me. That's what the word of God. So what we've got to do is take this word and apply it to ourselves. That this is not for someone else. This word is for me right now and that's why it doesn't matter what position you're in whether you're in a position where you're in a place of restoration where God has, has, has restored double portion to you or you're right at the beginning where Job is where everything has just been taken away from you and you're thinking I don't even know what's going on it doesn't matter what position whether you're in a wealthy position or whether you're down here on the scales this word applies to me amen The second thing he says to to us is that the word applies to us. The second thing he says to us is that we, the people of God, must remember God. That when you become successful or whether you're not successful, always remember God. Remember how you got here and understand that even though you have worked hard, even though you've done so much, remember God. Remember God. Just like, wasn't it Esther? When Esther got into the palace, that Mordecai had to remind her, listen, you didn't get here on your own merit. You didn't get here on your own merit. Now that you're in the palace, remember us Jews that's out here. Remember, we're getting ready to kill. You're in the palace. To remember us. Yes. So when God begins to elevate you, remember the Lord God. When God begins to bless you financially, remember it's God. Right. Yes. That this is God who's given you the ability. Does someone say, Remember God? Yes. Because as I said, this would not, He would not have told us to remember if we didn't have the potential to forget. He wouldn't have told us to remember if we didn't have the potential to forget. Because sometimes we forget where we're coming from. Now that everything is good. You see, is, is, I don't know how, you see like sweat coming from me? I remember the days going to Sunday school when we used to use the local huts you see, before your time. Huts. And we have to worship in huts with our coats on. When we used to go home, there was no central heating that set. You all ain't hearing me. It's a paraffin heater. We had to make sure there was paraffin. Oh, God, you don't know. See if you don't want to. You had the pink and a blue paraffin. You understand? And when we had to put the paraffin and we used to have this little round green paraffin heater. And all of us would be round the, para- the little heater. And sometimes, uh, this is not word of life, on my legs was pure burn marks because we're dancing around the fire and, too, and get too close. And, it, and all here, I've got marks all along my legs where fire burn. Because I I stood too close to the paraffin heater Because of cold No heat Remember where God has taken you from Now everything's programmed When we go home, heating's programmed A walking back off the jacket Everything All we've got to do sometimes Is just go back And remember You say, but why? Because it shows the gratitude I am grateful for what I have when, oh Lord, when we didn't have the money, we didn't have the car to get to church. And sometimes we didn't have the money for bus fare. We had to walk it. From Sometimes when we had church in Thornton Heath, we walked it from Croydon to Thornton Heath swimming baths. Because we didn't have bus fare. You all ain't hearing me. And we wanted it's not like today, you guys can stroll in church anytime you want. I'm coming from a church. You dare not get to church late. You dare not. You would be pulled up and you'd be in trouble. In fact, they used to... Oh, God. We used to do roll call. I Get ready. Where's Ariel? Get ready to take over because I'm getting too happy. They used to do a roll call. And they would tick off every time you were late. You would be ticked off. They will tick. And then at the end of the year... We will do a report and they will say, Brother Delroy, out of 52 times in a year, you turned up 35 times and 35 times late. Oh, Sister so-and-so, you turned up out of 52 weeks, you turned up 20 times and 20 times late. And the reason they've done that, so now when it's time now, when they're looking to be ordained, you ain't going to be on the list. Because if we can't trust you to turn up to church on time, how can we trust you, Lord, have mercy? Because it's about integrity. It's about whether it, could we trust you. If we can't trust you, in terms of timekeeping how could I trust you to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ and speak into the lives of people when you have the ability to even speak life or death where you can kill someone with your words if we can't trust you to turn up on church on time how could I trust you to speak to go into people's life and do surgery Jesus. and do surgery so they will look at that. So when it was time when they were considering, when the, the, the heads from America would come over and they're looking, who are we gonna begin to ordain? They look at the register. Out of 52 times, how many times did you turn up to church? And out of those times, how many times were you early or late? Because that's how we judge your integrity. We, you say, but pastor, you know, oh, that's all here and there. Our bishop, so that you understand, our bishop drove from Northampton to come to Croydon for service and was never late. We lived round the corner. That's the difference. We live round the corner, and we struggle to be on time. And the bishop will drive from Northampton and get down before those of us who lived around the corner. Help us, Holy Ghost. We need to remember the Lord your God. I'm going to have to stop there. I'm going to have to stop there. Um, Next week, I'm going to go through a series because I want to teach us how some strategic things to position ourselves for God's wealth to come upon us. He cannot give it on undisciplined people. We have to be disciplined according to the word of God, not man's standard. So listen, if a shaking does come to our nation, God has already positioned us that our wealth does not come because of the what's happening in the economy. It's because we have aligned ourselves to the word of God. This house is coming into a place of financial blessing. I'm, I have to teach the word so that we are disciplined. We align ourselves to the word of God. That every, I want everyone in the house to be blessed. I said I want everyone in the house to be blessed. That we are prosperous. And that he gives us the power to get wealth. We, we need wealth. Because bills have to be paid. God's house is going to be taken care of. Your family is going to be taken care of. Your home is going to make sure it's taken care of. So whatever is happening around us, God is going to put his super on our natural. And we're going to walk in supernatural provisions and blessings. Let the drama come. Bless the Lord. Sorry for time. Please excuse me.